outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on Seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. Oh, 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 O'Reilly! Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon, and this is episode number 385. And today we're back with another episode of our Rut Fresh radio miniseries, in which we're hearing from deer hunters all across the country on the latest deer activity, current conditions, and the tactics that are going to help you right now. All right, welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast brought to you by Onyx, and welcome to November. It's here, we're here talking our Rut Fresh radio episodes in which we're getting intel from all across the country and preparing you for the week ahead, and the week ahead is the first full week in November. Uh, hopefully, hopefully good things ahead, Spencer. Um, have you started your rut trip? I think you did, right? I did. My uh, my first hunt of my rut trip was on Halloween, and I've been at it every morning and afternoon since. Do you do you want to divulge how it's going so far at all, or is that for another time? Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll briefly touch on it, and it's um, probably the same thing that you're going to say about your Michigan hunting and a lot of the same stuff that you're going to hear from our guests this week, um, but it's been really warm, but it is still the rut. Weather be damned. Deer are going to move. Uh, moon be damned. Deer are going to move. Um, it, it's still the rut. This is still the best two-week period of the year to be hunting, but maybe instead of it being like a, a smashing 11 out of 10 for deer movement, it's right around like an 8 or a 9 because it is so damn hot. And the last time it was this hot in early November, I looked it up, Mark, was last election day in 2016 i'm sure we talked about it on that episode as well um but like i said it's still the rut this is still the best time of the year to be a whitetail hunter uh, and the forecast looks promising for this coming weekend and I, I think everybody right now in the midwest in the east is talking about this warm spell that we have and i know you've talked about this before mark and you recently touched on it on an article on the meateater.com uh, where you were in Iowa and some warm weather rolled through and you packed up and, and headed home uh, a little bit early. And that story kind of brings me some comfort for what I'm experiencing right now. And so I'd love for you to share that again, how that went and, and what happened. Well, yeah, so this was back in my younger years, Spencer, when I was uh, 
floating like a milkweed in the breeze and uh, <laughs> <laughs> letting letting the whims of the weather or other things get me too worried during the rut. And mm-hmm. so I was out on an out-of-state trip to Iowa, like you mentioned, and had a big warm spell come through. And I was thinking, well, you know, maybe I should take this time and go home and, you know, do some honeydew stuff or something. And it was like November, I don't remember the exact dates, but somewhere in November. And foolishly, I took a couple days off because of that warm weather and was going to come right back two days later. And during those two days I was gone, three of my buddies all filled their tags on like 70, 75 degree days. And that just was the the nail in the coffin for me to never let warm weather get me too depressed during the rut because anything's possible. Sure, the middle of the day might be warm, but there's still going to be activity, especially early morning and in the evening. Um, It's still going to be happening. I think the one noticeable difference, at least the most noticeable difference I've seen, is that that midday period is much more suppressed than otherwise it might be. Um, But otherwise... It's still going to be the rut. So, uh, yeah, I don't like this weather. Our our forecast in Michigan is is not really great until next week. We've got mid to upper 60s all the way to 70 um, all the way until November 9th or 10th. Um, so that takes us all the way to Tuesday. So not a very uh, promising forecast, but I'm still going to be out there. I would encourage everyone with a similar forecast to still be out there because – you know, it's magical time period. Even if we're not going to have those crisp, cold mornings like we want, the Bucks don't care. They've got one thing on their mind, and it's not the forecast. Honestly, Mark, this is maybe like the least important, the least helpful episode of the year that we'll have. Because, You're really good at selling this one, man. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm saying. Just turn it off, like, folks. It's not that you, good. <laughs> you, could, you could turn the podcast off right now uh. and still enter the woods this weekend and be really confident that the deer are going to be moving um, because it's that time of year. And that's just the point that I want to drive home uh, about this other stuff, that weather, moon, um, all that stuff, you, you can ignore it. Look at it, and maybe it'll make you more confident when you hit the woods, but don't let it affect things too much. Now, tell me this, though, Spencer. Am I right that the people that we're going to talk to here today, regardless of if they're going to tell us some kind of condition thing that's going to inspire us, more importantly, they're going to give us some tactics that will help us, regardless of warm weather, yada, 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 right? So there Absolutely. is still a reason to listen. Yes, definitely. The four people that we talked to this week, uh, Nate Crick from Identical Draw in Kansas, John Teeter in New York from Whitetail Landscapes, Josh Smith from Wild Carrot Deer Attracted in Kentucky, and then in South Dakota, Sam Soholt from Public Land Tees. We should probably share our deer activity ratings, Spencer, since we've both been out. Why not add to the uh, average across all these different states? Do you want to give me on a 1 to 10 scale, Spencer, how's the deer activity in South Dakota been? Like you had said before, Mark, I think it is still really strong in the mornings and the evenings, um, where I would say it's like an 8 or a 9 out of 10 right now. But midday, I'm just not seeing a lot of movement in person. I'm not seeing it on my trail cameras. It seems like the bucks for the most part are functioning like they're crepuscular um, and that it's very similar to what you'd see maybe in like the October 25th, 26th, 27th range, uh, which is okay. It's, it's still great hunting, but because of that warm weather, you're just not getting like the crazy uh, scenes that you would expect 
for the rut? I would give it here in Michigan in that eight eight range, eight to nine range. Um, you know, I've been seeing, I have seen some midday activity. Um, I did see a mature buck uh, move at eleven o'clock the other day. A um, lot of chasing. I've seen bucks locked on does. I saw a buck breed a doe. Uh, so all that stuff's happening. Um, it's it's just uh, you know I wouldn't give it a full ten out of ten yet because I haven't killed one. I guess. <laughs> sure. And something that I'm going to ask each one of our guests this week, Mark, is. What is your ideal rut hunting setup? And and I have them paint a picture for me as far as like what the terrain is like, why they're there, um, why they think a buck will show up there, all that kind of stuff. So you tell me what is like your ideal November fourth setup in Michigan? Man, I want the Venn diagram of rut hunting setups, which would be a doe bedding area and a pinch point combined. Right, because you think of like those are your two main types of rut setups that you would usually point folks towards. So I want the two of those together in the same place. So I want there to be a spot where I could be downwind of doe bedding, but also for some reason this place also pinches down. So there's a reason that deer are going to come through, they're going to come through downwind of that bedding area to check for does. So that's happening. But then there's going to be some kind of constriction that forces all those bucks to pass through within range of my stand. So I don't know. Maybe that is uh, a section where there's a steep ridge, maybe. And nothing's going to go off to the one side because it's it's so steep. Everything is going to come just within 40, 50 yards on my upwind side where there's this doe bedding area. And to get downwind of it, they have to be in this 30, 40 wide swatch just uh, above that ridge side is, I don't know, a random example I'm thinking of. But but something like that is ideal in my eyes. Um, being downwind of a doe bedding area is great. Being a pinch point is great. But when you can get it all there together, that's that's a recipe for success. This is this is like a really simplistic way to think about it, but I want there to be a reason to have like two-way traffic for bucks that they could come from either direction, down any trail, morning or evening or midday, and you know usually that means that there's like you said there's that Venn diagram of, of everything is there. You want like there to be a pinch point and doe bedding, or you want there to be um, an area that's lit up with sign. And there's buck bedding. You want there to be one area where all the deer cross a creek plus some sort of hot food source or something like that. All that I mean by that is that like you're not hunting a field edge where traffic is going to come from one direction. Or you're not hunting this scrape line um, that leads out to a field edge or something like that. So getting an area where sign is congregated, where bedding is congregated, those sorts of things. And, and marking articles... In the past, and I know you wrote one last year that was called The Rules of the Rut, and basically you said there's the KISS system. Keep it simple, stupid, uh, and, and just look for like these couple things during the rut, and you're going to be totally fine. Um, and, and if you're still not feeling prepared for the rut, if this podcast doesn't do it, uh, and whatever else you've consumed for this coming weekend, there's some other articles that you should go to TheMeteor.com and read. We have three reasons why hunters fail during the rut that Tony Peterson wrote. Um, and, and when I was editing that, it felt like I had been seen by Tony for, for the things that he talked about. So I think a lot of hunters can benefit from that. Something else 
that Tony had recently wrote for us was how to in-season scout for deer. Uh, if you're not prepared for the rut and you're hitting the woods this weekend, you're looking to kill a buck, that article can offer you some great advice. Are, are there any podcasts, Mark, that people should pay attention to for rut hunting tips from wired hunt? Yeah, we got a lot of them, but I'll tell you that the two that are, that have one that just came out with Andre DeQuisto, definitely listen to that one if you haven't already. And then tomorrow we've got a really good one coming out with Aaron Warburton and Greg Clements from the hunting public all about the rut. So be sure to tune in tomorrow for that one. Uh, and then some throwbacks, if you go and search for Wired Hunt Podcast, we had one with Will Primos. If you hunt in the South at all, there's some great Southern rut hunting tactics in that one. We had a really good one with Don Higgins a number of years ago. Uh, great one with Jared Mills not too long ago. So if you just Google Wired to Hunt and Rut Podcast, you'll be able to find a whole bunch of episodes like that where we cover these details. Lots of great strategies and tactics for you. Um, pump them all up. Listen to them when you're driving to deer camp or wherever you're going, and uh, you'll be well-armed to fill that tag. All right, Mark. Well, I think that is enough from us. Uh, happy November. Happy rut. Sounds good. All of our interviews this week are presented by Trophy Ridge. Make sure to check out their full lineup of sites featuring their React technology. After just two pin adjustments, React technology delivers dead certain accuracy at any distance. I have the React Trio. It's the favorite site that I've ever owned. It's perfect for when I'm out west or doing a traditional whitetail hunt from a tree stand. Check out all of their sites at trophyridge.com. All right, and joining us on the line first is Nate Crick from Identical Draw in Kansas. Now, Nate, in Kansas, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? I would say the buck activity has been a seven lately. I mean, you can't beat the first week in November getting into it, um, but I would say these warm temps, I mean, crazy warm temps have definitely dampered the movement a little bit. So are you seeing any bucks moving in midday, or is everything in the mornings and evenings and nocturnal right now? Um, Right now, at least the last few days, things have really gone nocturnal. Today on cameras was probably the slowest day as far as daylight movement, we have cellular cameras, so we're able to get that quick feed. And today was probably the slowest day we've had on trail camera for daylight movement since the beginning of October, which is saying something. So, yeah, um, we're still seeing buck movement, but a lot of it has turned knocked. Now, I know you have some destination food sources on your 80 acres in Kansas. How do those destination food sources factor into your rut setups? We definitely pay attention to the food source right now. I don't think that's the number one thing on these bucks' minds, of course. Um, but as far as picking a spot, we definitely um, think about the food sources on our property when picking a spot. If we can figure out, of course, the rut right now, we're focused on buck travel and just figuring out those pinch points. But if we can find one of those places that also is closer to one of these food sources where a lot of does could possibly be hanging out, we're going to be uh, hitting up that spot and hunting that area. Nate, tell me what the ideal rut setup looks like for you. Uh, what are you looking for in that area? Why do you think bucks are going to be there? And if you're in a tree stand on November 4th, what does it look like? Yeah, so I, me and my brother actually just hung a stand that I think is one of our most ideal sets we've ever hung. And it goes like this. Basically, we're on a ridge line um, with oaks. Our stand is actually in an oak. And directly beneath us, to the east, we've got really great bedding. We actually, hanging this set, we bumped a really nice buck out of it, just a light bump. Um, we were able to get into the tree without disturbing too much. But 
we know that area is going to be full of does. And there's also a pocket of buck bedding where we've found sheds from previous years shed hunting it. But the other thing that plays a role, kind of like what I was talking about earlier, is our, one of our food plots with beans and brassicas is only about 70, 60, 70 yards to the west. So you have food source there with the oak ridge line and also really thick bedding there. So um, it provides really good travel, food sources, and bedding, basically everything you need in a money rut spot. You just mentioned your trail cameras. As we get into peak rut, where are you running most of your cameras? Yeah, right now it's all about the travel. So I'm putting those places in just places that will funnel deer, um, ridge lines, but also pinch points on – on field edges things like that really good timber draws we have it next to a creek that runs next to our property that will keep deer from accessing that other side things like that um, on the edge of really thick bedding um, our best cameras right now are not on food sources but they're on scrapes in timber and on those pinch points you just mentioned sign making how much longer is that going to be relevant for your setups in kansas yeah like when I mentioned that most ideal rut setup, there aren't a ton, there isn't a ton of sign in that area. There's a few um, scrapes and a handful of rubs that you could possibly see from the tree stand, but really um, that always plays a good role during this time of the year. But I'm, I'm really trying to get away from that this time of the year, not necessarily away, but I'm not focusing on it as much. I'm really just focusing on those travel routes. If you could throw a scrape or a rub in that area, that's great. Um, as far as trail cams go, we've seen scrape, action continue really good it's on nocturnal with these warm temperatures but i also walking the property the last few days i saw those first really big rubs pop up um which is a good sign bucks are on move and and making sign in big egg country the harvest status can positively or negatively affect the rut what is that harvest status right now in kansas for you um basically all the beans around us seem to be picked um there's still some corn standing uh, that is actually up a little later than usual, it seems. But um, I think it's going to be just another normal year with the, with the crops. Um, the biggest thing that we've seen is just these warm temps. I don't know. Um, the crops seem to be affected just like normal. I mean, when they're in, when the standing corn is in, it's definitely attracting deer towards those areas. But um, it's, it hasn't been anything more unusual than any other years. I'd say the biggest thing is just these temps. I mean, the first week in November, today hit 80 degrees. So uh, I think that's the biggest thing playing a role right now. Do you do any decoying during the rut? Uh, no, we haven't. Uh, it's interesting, but our part of, our part of Kansas, we've, we have never rattled in a mature buck. So the decoy, we've always, we've never, never had any success with it and never really used it a whole lot just because, um, we just haven't had success with the call and we have grunted bucks in, but no, I uh, haven't gotten into the decoy thing. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to 10 in Kansas? The next week, the next four or five days look to be warm, which is not ideal. Um, you can't beat the first week in November. I mean, that is usually prime time across the Midwest, especially Kansas. But, uh, I would say it's probably going to stay in that seven, seven out of 10, um, rate. I'd love to give it higher with it being the first week in November, but I mean, these warm temps being in the 70 and 80 degrees, it's shut down trail cam activity and activity that we've seen out hunting. So next week, temperatures are dropping. I expect it to be much better that time. All right, Nate. Well, good luck to you and your brother. I'll be following along at identical draw. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Esther.
All right, and joining us on the line next is John Teeter from Whitetail Landscapes in New York. Now, John, in New York, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? Yeah, I'd say the past week uh, there was definitely an intense change, and I'd say probably rose up to maybe a, a 7 or 8. Probably in the 8 scale would be more appropriate based upon the volume movement. A lot of midday movement, transition stuff. I see that the changes were you know, you're starting to do a lot of seeking and, and kind of working to their advantage at this point, finding, uh, you know, where the does like to be. They're starting to seek things out and, and, you know, the breeding's begun at this point. So, John, how can somebody identify a doe bedding area if they're sort of new to a property and they're hitting it for the first time and doing some in-season scouting during the rut? Yeah, in-season scouting is, is, uh, definitely uh, gives you the advantage to knowing what's going on a lot of times you'll kick out does in those specific areas uh that's a that's a clear indication uh usually adjacent to food and and food tends to be less of a focus area at this point the does become you know, a bit more scattered uh you know they're they're starting to get chased uh the hunting pressure is a factor in some of that but you're starting to see a decline in interest in food and cover starts to become thing uh and and you know larger areas of cover uh that are a bit isolated uh you'll start to see those frequent those areas a little bit more often than they normally do uh just to kind of escape the pressure of uh, the bucks that are after them so that's probably the the first tip i would give now do the same thing for buck bedding if somebody is just hitting the woods in a new area for the first time how can they identify a buck's bed you know the buck bedding tends to be isolated uh, a lot of times, you know, with the leaf drop as of recent, you get a lot of a uh, change in, in thermals and uh, the wind shifts in those areas. It penetrates a little bit deeper. So wind-based bedding and thermal uh, bedding is a huge component of kind of where the bucks are going to lay up, typically on hillsides or open terrain. They also want visual acuity, so they want to be able to see some distances away. Um, those things start to go away as the rut or starting to creep into the rut. So, you know, they're moving more frequently. They're almost on their feet you know, 24 hours a day to some degree, uh, depending on the intensity and, you know, the available does that, that they're seeking. So that's, uh, you'll start to see a change and shift in that. How deep into the rut is sign making relevant for you in New York? You know, I try to be a little bit more predictive. Uh, so I'm not relying on that type of data, but if you're going in and you're, you're hunting an area, you know, for the first time, you know, it's kind of good to start off looking even at the scrape to see what the available tracks and size of tracks. That's, that's the first indicator. You know, the, the sign last week, you know, the scrape activity was kind of at an all-time high, and it's just going to start to decline. It'll ebb and flow, but the rub activity's increased this week. I've seen many more rubs in the woods when I'm coming and going, and, and so that, that's an indicator to me that they're, they're, they're kind of on the tails of, of transitioning one area to the next and focusing on you know, seeing what, what those are, are in estrus and estrus ready, ready to be bred. So that's, that's kind of a, the next phase of the things. John, if somebody is looking to manipulate their property to have it be set up really, really well for peak rut, what would that look like? What are some things that a landowner can do to get their property ready for November? Yeah, I think, I think the big thing is, like I said earlier, when, when deer start to transition, you know, the, the cover type and habitat types are, are critical. Uh, having a lot of availability of food, uh, and, and food in, in an example, blackberries, um, you know, the blackberry leaves, um, those are, those are a good example, uh, wild plum, 
those type of sources of food within the bedding areas are, are really critical. So introducing a, a component of food within these bedding areas and bedding areas, you know, in, in using the design process are anywhere between, you know, one to three acres in size. Sometimes they're larger depending on their location, but having a, a, a larger pocket of cover uh, and, and that's beneficial because as the bucks go in, they don't, they don't necessarily able to wind check an entire area. So as they cruise, not necessarily having to use wind fully to assess what's going on in those areas. We'll have to actually have to work those areas and seek them out. And from a hunting perspective, you can take complete advantage of that. Defining their entry and exits in those areas are critical because at that point, you'll be able to kind of pinpoint how they leave and enter a location. And, and that, that really makes the hunting that much easier. So that, that's, a, that's a big component of it. John, what is your ideal rut setup look like for the second weekend of November in New York? Oh, that's a good question. Um, an ideal setup for me would be, uh, I, I'm, I'm a fringe person. I'm always hunting in the fringe. So what that generally means to me is usually a connection point between two bedding areas usually is a key, a key focus point. Um, I like to be, uh, you know, not within the bedding, uh, just on the edge of the bedding uh, and in a position where, you know, I could potentially be, you know, downwind uh, of deer and so as they're upwind you know they're kind of penetrating these areas and and uh you know you know it's i'm able to to uh you know either attract them from a identification standpoint or uh call them or or relay you know some type of uh calling to them so sequentially they, they're able to come into the property and i'm able to get a shot at them so that's that's kind of my ideal location so just staying on the fringes and attacking them at the fringes not necessarily penetrating the bedding areas so that's that's my ideal setup Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in New York? I think uh, it's, it's going to warm up. So you're going to see a little less activity in the afternoons, a lot of intense activity in the morning, um, you know, towards the later half of this week into the 6th, 7th, and 8th. I mean, that's just peak time. Um, you know, deer are coming off their, uh, usually their, 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 their second estrus still, uh, the intensity increases, the competition, depending on the herd dynamics, could go you know through the roof. But you're going to get a lot of movement this weekend. So this weekend's going to be going to be prime time. All right, John, that's great info. Thanks for your time and good luck this year. Thanks, man. You too. All right, and joining us on the line next is Josh Smith from Wild Care Deer Attracted in Kentucky. Now, Josh, in Kentucky, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of one to ten? Ah, uh, well. As recently as this past weekend when I was hunting, uh, I would, I'd say it was a six, uh, daytime activity wasn't super hot. Uh, it was, we had high winds. Uh, it was a little warm until Monday morning we had frost and things cooled off and, and, uh, you know, you could kind of see the uptick in movement during the day, but also, um, this past weekend, the moonlight is shining bright all night. So, I always, you know, tend to think that that has a little bit of an effect on daytime activity. And when it's that bright at night, I feel like they're a little more nocturnal. And uh, our cams would kind of suggest that. We've been having, obviously, a lot more nighttime activity on them than uh, daytime. But, uh, you know, it's the ruts here, it's it's kicking off, and, and you never know what could happen. So anytime you can get in a tree is a good time. In Kentucky, when do you historically start seeing some midday movement from mature bucks? Oh, it could be anywhere from, you know, I, I 
try to think of Halloween as kind of the jumping off point for where we're at. at uh, and, and that's kind of when you want to start spending as much time in a tree as possible, because you, you know, you might be starting Halloween the, the few days after that, you might not see much daytime activity or you might, you just don't really know. And obviously kind of keep weather and, and, uh, moon phases in mind when you're making your decisions, but, you know, uh, Halloween through the middle of November, you just kind of not helping yourself if you're not in a tree. Now, as the owner of a scent company, I know you're a huge advocate for using scents during the rut. So tell me about what your strategy is with different urine during peak rut. Well, if we're in the peak of the rut, I like to use, uh, I'll, I'll take one of our doe and estrus and one of our rutting buck, which is a dominant buck scent, and I'll clip both of them onto my drag and drag them in together to kind of simulate a chase is one of my favorite things to do. Uh, it's been proven to be effective. Uh, I shot a nice buck in Kentucky a few years back doing that. Um, came in nose down on my scent trail and, and I've just always had good success, good luck with that. So it's kind of my go-to, um, you know, you're kind of shying away from cover scents this time of year. You want to be, uh, taking, uh, as much control as you can kind of taking advantage of the situation where uh, bucks are a little more aggressive and kind of use that to your advantage. You mentioned your trail cameras earlier. Where do you have a lot of your trail cameras as we get into early and mid November? Uh, Primarily travel routes. Uh, We're trying to locate any, any corridors between bedding uh, and any isolated food sources, which we still have standing beans and standing corn, both uh, on the Kentucky property. So, you're, you're, it makes it a little easier and a little tougher at the same time to kind of isolate those corridors because they've got a vast variety of food still. Um, they are also hitting acorns, which we have as well. So the key is just kind of figuring out what those travel corridors are. And, and we try to set up cams on, on sites that, uh, are producing, you know, just, uh, kind of using common sense and, and locating, as best we can, the highest travel, uh, the highest usage on travel routes to capitalize with our trail camera setups. Josh, tell me about what your ideal rut setup is for the second weekend in November in Kentucky. Well, ideally I'd be doing a grip and grin right now, but, uh, (laughs) since that's not on the table, um, no, just like I mentioned, you know, you want to work those travel corridors as much as possible. You want to stick tight to uh, doe bedding as, as much as you can. You know, you want to know where your does are and you'll know where your bucks are this time of year. So that's kind of what we do uh, as a rule of thumb, you know. So just keeping in mind doe bedding, where they're bedding at, and also food sources and travel corridors and kind of uh, putting all that together to make the plan. Going forward then in the next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Kentucky? Well, I'd say I think the rut's going to be a little more progressed, so I feel like it'll be a little higher. We also are getting a kind of a warm front moving through. We had lows in the lower 30s this past weekend, and this coming weekend, the lows are going to be in the mid-50s. So it's a pretty significant jump in temperature. Um, so I feel like it will bump up, but I don't feel like it's going to bump up like crazy. You know, I, I normally, I think if it, if it weren't for the warm up, I would, I would be more optimistic and say like an eight, but, uh, maybe a seven, you know, so 
we'll see. Uh, I'm I'm still optimistic, and I think that activity is going to be up. So I just I'm just not sure how much, but I would if I had to bet, I'd say not a ton. All right, Josh. Well, good luck, and thanks for joining me. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me, Spencer. All right, and joining us on the line next is Sam Soholt in South Dakota from Public Land Tees. Now, Sam, in South Dakota, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? You know, I'd say right now it's probably somewhere between a 4 and a 5. And it's typical in this state that I've seen if this is kind of really when it starts to kick off. So I have seen some younger bucks chasing pretty hard and saw one uh, mature buck kind of follow a doe out into a field the other night. Um, but it's not all out. So there's, there's definitely bucks moving, um, that showed today, but it's not, uh, it's not all out yet. Now things change fast during the rut. And this morning, Sam, we were texting each other and at 747, you said things were slow and you were going to be moving spots for the afternoon. And then at 753, you texted me that you just killed one. So tell us about that setup and how that hunt went down. Yeah, so uh, you and I were texting back and forth, and I had basically written off where I was sitting that morning. Like everything about, or this everything about this morning was like it took me forever to find the tree to hang in. Just there wasn't a straight tree on the ridge. Uh, the wind was different than what was forecast, and so I was moving around, and I was just like to the point where I was like, "Oh, nothing's gonna roll into this spot." Well, I finally was finally got up in the tree after first light, and uh, you and I were texting, and um. I sent that last message uh, to ask if you were out hunting. And then I was like, God, oh, it's kind of cool this morning. And I actually reached back and grabbed my bibs to put on and I pulled them around. I was sitting down and I pulled them around in front of me and I looked up and I saw him walking down the ridge. And so I just put the bibs down between my feet on the tree stand and grabbed my bow. And uh, he ended up walking right down the ridge and little bit I know, but I was, there was a little bit of thick cover out on the end of this ridge and he was just, it must've been done searching for sent checking for does or whatever for the night and was just coming back to bed. And he walked into 22 yards and I shot him. Um, so like better to be lucky than good sometimes. I like it. Now, Sam, tell me about what your ideal rut setup is in South Dakota as we get into like the second weekend of November. Yeah. So I'm really looking for stuff where I know that there are going to be does congregating. So looking for like thick bedding cover, real nasty thickets um, and transition lines between like bigger deciduous trees and say, you know, some sort of real thick cover, whether it be Russian olive or um, some more ground cover where I know there's probably going to be does uh, bedding and bucks coming by to scent check is what I'm really looking for. Um, So it can be really small patches of that, but a lot of times I find bucks are, you know, covering like big distances to go check these small pockets of cover, knowing that there's probably a doe or two in there. I know you have success using some really aggressive tactics this year. You almost rattled in a buck recently. Um, a few years ago, you decoyed one in, tell me about using decoys and calls during the rut. Yep. I, I love using both. Um, and that, you know, I figure I only have so many days to hunt each November. And if I'm, if I'm going to get it done, sometimes you have to be, you can't just always stand on the sidelines looking in. Um, you got to get really tight into stuff where, you know, there's going to be bucks and then using stuff like decoys has worked extremely well for me. I've shot several deer over decoys 
And uh, um, I think they can be in the right situations can be in a very valuable tool. And I'm definitely not afraid to call rattling, grunting, um, you know, when the rut is really on, if you really get yourself into a situation where you're seeing a lot of rutting deer, it, you know, it can just be absolute madness where they're running around grunting almost every breath um, and posturing to other deer and stuff. So I, I find that, you know, I'm, I, it might seem aggressive, but I'm basically mimicking like a deer being in like on fire rut activity. You're from North Dakota, you're hunting South Dakota, you're headed to Kansas soon. What sort of food sources are you looking for in the Great Plains during November, or is that not something that you focus on at all? Well, you know, I don't focus on food a ton other than finding food sources that are like somewhat close to a bedding area where I know I'm going to be catching them coming back to bed. But because I hunt so much public ground, uh, there's not typically a lot of food to focus on. And, but if I am focusing on food, I'm typically looking for cornfields this time of year. Cause it's a lot of them typically are getting harvested right now. Um, and so, you know, deer either were living in them or are coming to them as they're cut fresh and eating stuff off the ground. Um, but yeah, definitely looking for cornfields. When you do get to Kansas, it's going to be mid November that time of year. What sort of stuff are you looking for when you're doing in season scouting? Yeah, so just looking for the freshest sign possible. Uh, Going to be looking for, you know, fresh rubs, fresh scrapes, uh, and, you know, big, big buck tracks. And, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. And, like, a, if I can find stuff that looks like, you know, um, it seems like bucks down there typically like to rub bigger trees than I find up in uh, up in the Midwest and or in the Great Plains. And so I'm looking for stuff that looks like it was just like really recently shredded up um, in in thickets and stuff is kind of what I'm what I'm going off of. And obviously looking at pinch points and travel corridors where I know there's probably going to be deer traveling through looking for does and estrus and uh, trying to find hot sign within those kind of small gaps to shoot through. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to 10 in South Dakota? You know, I would say we are warmer than average weather right now. So, uh, you know, typically it, it really kicks off here in the next few days, but with that cold front coming in kind of at the end of the weekend, I would say it's going to be, you know, all the way maxed out by Monday or Tuesday next week. So probably like incrementally increasing over the next three to five days. All right, Sam, well, I'm jealous of your success, but congrats on the deer and good luck with the rest of your season. Thanks for joining me. Yeah. Thanks, man. And that concludes this week's episode of Rut Fresh Radio. Thanks to Nate, John, Josh, and Sam for joining me, and thank you guys for listening. I'm stoked that the rut is here. Happy November to everyone listening. This only comes once a year, so I hope you hunt like it. Until next week, stay wired to hunt. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You 
can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase.